0: When I was in high school, I loved to combine the best parts of different church services. So I had this church, Emmanuel, where I grew up and where I felt the most connected. And then I had worship at a nearby college where all of my friends would go on Sunday nights and worship together for a few hours. And then I had the messages from another church that had this celebrity preacher that I really wanted to learn to preach just like. And all of this worked as a high schooler, but then as I grew up, I realized that there was some real benefit to having one church home, to having one place that I devoted my time and my talents and my energy and my treasures to, to having one place that was going to be my place in and out of every single season. You see, church quilting, as I'd like to call it, taking the best parts of these different church services, it might make it so that we can craft our ideal church experience, but it doesn't help us find a church home. This season has only made it easier to be a church quilter. It's never been easier to choose the worship you like from one church and the message you like from another church and the Bible study from another and to create this church quilt of all the best parts of all the different services. And while it's important that we find a church home that we're connected to, I'm not convinced that church quilting actually brings us to where we want to be. In fact, there have been a ton of scientific studies that have been done about why church makes a difference in our lives and the exact difference that it makes. All these studies about the difference that regularly engaging in a church community makes in our daily lives and our health not just devoting to a service or just to worship or just to a message or just to a Bible study, but actually devoting time and energy to building relationships and friendships and regularly engaging in the same place of worship in all seasons of our life. And across scientific studies, researchers found this. They found that people who attend church have a better ability to manage time and to achieve their goals that people who attend church, they somehow are able to set a goal and accomplish it better. They're better able to to be able to figure out what priorities are in their lives and how to structure a day. They found that the incidence of clinical depression was 22% lower among those who attended religious services at least once a month, compared with those who never attend. They also found that church attendance, it has a direct effect in reducing what they call deviant behavior, things like drug use, violence, and delinquency among at-risk youth. And then they found that church attendance is correlated with higher math and higher reading and greater educational aspirations. And then they found that church attenders are more likely to complete their homework and their degree programs. And they actually found that there's a reduction in mortality when you go to church that you're less likely to die early of preventable causes, 25% less likely compared to general populations. They said it was a huge amount, a massive difference. You see these statistics, they are astounding. And that's only a fraction of the scientific studies that have been done all across the years that track the health and the social benefits of attending church. The science is really clear, church is good, for us. These same benefits, they aren't seen in people who just engage in a social group like a sorority or fraternity or a volunteer organization. They're not just seen for people who really like their workplace or have a great group of friends. These results, they are unique to attending church. They're unique to gathering together in the body of Christ regularly for worship and teaching and prayer and community. Their important statistics that show why it's important that we're invested in a church home. And so it's no wonder as science backs this up that God in all of his infinite wisdom, he created and built and he encouraged his followers to engage deeply with one another, to regularly gather together in a church community. This gathering was so special that in Jesus's time, before what we even called the church was built, people were clamoring just to get to the gatherings where Jesus was because something special happened there. There's this story that I absolutely love that comes from the gospels. It's this story about a group of friends that so desperately wanted their friend to be where Jesus was, that they took some pretty dramatic risks in order to get him there. So if you have your Bible with you this morning, turn with me to Mark chapter two, verses one through 12. It says this, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there and they were questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming, who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, he said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. Or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and he went out before them all. So that they were all amazed and they glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Let's unpack this story a little bit. You see, this is early on in Jesus's ministry and the buzz about him, it is all around the neighborhood. In fact, the buzz about what he's doing, it's so profound that he regularly has people who are packing out houses and hillsides just for the chance to hear from him. In this story of Jesus's life, we have Jesus gathered at a home in Capernaum and this gathering, it's so popular that the entire place is filled with people. There are people breaking fire code here. They're shoulder to shoulder. They're all around Jesus. They're so enamored by him. And they're so anxious for what he might say or do next that people can't even enter the door just to catch a glimpse of him. In the midst of this gathering, there are these four friends who have this deep desire to get their friend to Jesus. And so checking every entrance and seeing that there is no way for them to get in, let alone them to get in carrying their friend on a bed, taking up even more room in the assembly, they climb up on the roof and they look for a second option. Now roofs in that day and age, it's not how we typically picture this story in Sunday school, just some hay laying on top that they could kind of gently pull aside or move to make space for their friend to go in. No, the roofs in this day and age, it's made of packed mud and getting their friend to Jesus, it is going to be a feat. And so they start digging and digging and digging and digging. And you can almost imagine the mud and the dust starting to fall down on the heads of the people as they're desperately trying to make a space for their friend to get to Jesus. Eventually the light starts to break through in the ceiling. And once they've made a big enough space to house their friend and the bed, they lower their friend down in order for their friend to meet the one that they believe can heal him. The story of the paralytic meeting Jesus, it reveals to us the importance of this gathering for us. This gathering, it was so important that these friends didn't just plan to go and say to their paralytic friend, we'll come back later and we'll tell you all about what Jesus said. They knew that their friends Despite his condition, he needed to be there. He needed to experience what Jesus was doing. So they were literally willing to pick up his bed and carry him some distance just for him to meet and experience Jesus for himself. They were willing to use their muscle and all their might just to get their friend there. And then when they get there and they realize this place is packed out, they aren't content just to stand on the outskirts of the house or to wait outside for Jesus to come out later. They risk social standing and people thinking that they're not all there in order to go on the roof and dig a hole through somebody else's roof so that they can get their friend right where Jesus is. And Jesus, Jesus shows up on his own terms here. I'm sure they were expecting that Jesus's first reaction was going to be to heal their friends. In their mind, that was probably the thing that they thought their friend really needed, was for their friend to be able to walk for himself. And yet Jesus's first response is to heal him of his sins. And then when everyone is in awe and also very confused about why this fellow who grew up in Bethlehem has the power to heal sins, he heals his legs too. And this whole incident, it is jaw dropping for the assembly that's gathered. They've just seen these friends dig through someone else's roof and then they saw a man be lowered down on a bed and then they see this life entirely transformed by this God who shows up and surprises. This is the beauty of the gathering of God and it's our invitation as followers of Jesus. The invitation is to be people who carry one another to the only healer into the only Savior, to be focused in the pursuit of what's best for one another and to celebrate with one another when God shows up and does something miraculous. Over the years at ECC, we've seen amazing examples of what this gathering can look like. You see, there have been small churches that have helped people pack out houses in a day as they prepared to move. They've literally shown up in the middle of somebody else's mess and they brought order to all of that chaos. There have been people who have decided to regularly gather together with their kids so that they can have mom friends and their kids can have kid friends and they can share the responsibility of watching out for each other's kids for just a moment. There have been people who, in the midst of COVID daycare shutdowns, have offered to watch one another's kids so that parents can rest or go to work. There have been small churches that have delivered meals while families are sick, so that there's one less thing for families to worry about. There are people who met online in our virtual lobby, who met up in person to walk outside with one another and encourage each other. There have been groups formed that give people access to opportunities like getting to go to baseball games or plays with other people so that people can feel a little less alone. And there are those who serve regularly in homeless shelters. And and more than just serving, they come up with meals together and they cook together so that people can feel loved and cared for. All of this is a small glimpse at what it looks like for people to be so enamored by God and what God is doing in their midst, that they're drawn together in these profound and concrete ways. You see, church was meant to be a place where we are both fully known and where we fully know each other. It was meant to be a place where we would move mountains to love and serve each other. And we know that the church has fallen woefully short of this goal so very often, and that there are people here who have really deep, really real stories of churches where it was the opposite of what Jesus set it out for it to be. But today, today, let's commit again to the vision. Let's commit again to the vision of people, young and old, married and single, parents and not parents, those who have a lot and those who don't have much, people who work blue collar jobs and white collar jobs, Republican and Democrat, those with young kids and those with kids in college, teenagers and grandparents, kids and parents. Let's recommit to the vision of gathering together and serving one another and loving each other as Christ loved us. Let's commit to building a different kind of community Let's commit to being a place where we can rely on one another and where we can trust one another, where we can cry with each other and celebrate with each other, where we have spaces where our kids are known and trusted and where we know, and we trust the people we are surrounding our kids with, where we look for opportunities to encourage and serve each other, especially in the hardest moments. But we don't just find this community. We have to build it. We have to choose to be a part of the story. Here are some questions I'd like us to reflect on this morning, coming out of the story of these friends who were clamoring to bring one of their own to Jesus. The first question is this, who are you carrying? Who are you so intent on bringing to Jesus, whether they've never met him or they're in a season where they're struggling to see him? that you're willing to move mountains to get them there? Who is in your community, whether it's inside ECC or someone you wish was a part of this church family? Who are you intentionally loving and serving and bringing to the only one who can truly heal and save? Who's carrying you? Who can you rely on? Who are the people who love you but love Jesus more? Who you can trust. Who can you cry with? Who can you laugh with? Who can you be real with? Who can you share vulnerably with about who you are and what you're thinking and what you're struggling with? Who are your people? Are you ready for Jesus to show up in his own terms? Are you ready to be surprised by what he can do when we give him the freedom to just show up in our lives? Do you know that you can always trust him to always do what's right? Or are you holding back because you want something specific and you're afraid it won't happen? Or are your hands open to whatever God might bring you? When's the last time a faith community gave you awe? Get really specific here when's the last time you saw something happen in a family of believers that reminded you of the beauty of what this can be and hold on to those stories because more is coming you see jesus modeled the way toward being in the community we've always longed for the most this way of gathering unexpected groups of people together to be actually real with each other to be vulnerable with each other to bear with each other in hard seasons and to celebrate with each other in joyful ones, to find joy in unexpected ways in the ways that he just shows up, to build communities that left the surrounding world in awe of what God can do when God transforms lives and transforms stories. We are inviting you to be a part of that. If you're an ECC member, we are inviting you to renew your membership early. It's a really easy way for us to say to one another, yes, I am all in. I am recommitting to this way of living in community with each other. A way of us saying COVID might've made it harder and it might take some getting used to in order to recommit to this, but I am in for you and I am in for us. And if you're not yet a member, we wanna invite you to be a part of this story and to register for Explore Memberships so that you can learn more about this body. And we want to invite all of us, members or not members, to be all in on serving. Serving is one of the fastest ways to find people who you can use to answer some of those questions I listed earlier. It's one of the best ways, if you're new to ECC, for you to meet people, to get connected, and to build real community. What's even cooler is that we have ways for you to get involved, no matter what you're interested in or gifted at. If you're a techie, we need people to help with filming and do sound mixing and slides and lighting both here in the studio and on Sunday mornings. And if you're a musical, we need people on worship teams to help bring us closer to God through singing and playing their instruments. If you love kids and teens and you're a trusted adult, we would love to tell you more about what it looks like to come alongside them and other leaders, to be the safe, trusted people in their life in these absolutely crucial stages, to point them to Jesus again and again. And if you're a people person or a coffee person or a visual person, I could use your help on the welcome and hospitality teams to help us create these spaces where people show up and they get a really good cup of coffee and they know where to find what they need and they feel welcomed into the Emmanuel family. And if you're a prayer warrior, our prayer team could use you to come alongside ECC family members in hard and exciting times, to walk with and pray with people as they wait for God to move in whatever the circumstances of their life might be. You see, finding a team to serve on gives you people who you see regularly who you get to do life with and pray with and learn with, who become like family and become the people we carry in hard seasons and who carry us in hard seasons too. You can find out more about all the different ways to serve by going to Register, and there we have more information for you. Or you can reach out to me directly and I would love to help you find a home. See, Jesus had some pretty strong words about this thing he called the church. He said the gates of hell would not overcome it. That despite all of its fears and its failures, that despite all the ways that we have to commit and recommit again to the vision, that the gates of hell, it cannot defeat this thing that Jesus had set out for us. Because the church community, it is our hope individually, and it is our hope for our communities, and it is our hope for our world. That what happens here, it transforms our lives. And it transforms every space we touch. You see, what happens on Sunday mornings, it is our springboard into Monday morning. It's the thing that carries us more and more as healthy, God-honoring, holy people into the weeks that we go into. And so let me pray as we continue with our morning. Lord God, thank you so much that you created and designed this thing that is so beautiful called your church. God, and that despite all of its flaws, God, that you are still working in it. God, that because you are working in it, it is good and you are leading us more and more into being your people. God, you are leading us to healthier and healthier places. And so God, would you be with us in this season? God, would you help us to find ways that we can use our gifts to serve you and to serve each other? God, help us to find the community that you designed for us. Help us to feel at home in that. And God, I pray for my brothers and sisters, God, that, that as we think about this this week, would you bring to mind specific areas where we can serve and be in community with each other? God, help us to find places that we can live out your vision for the church, understanding that it is so good for us to gather together. In name we pray. Amen.